I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today I read the first half of chapter 8 of my book, How to Plant and Grow a Church. The chapter's subject is how to stay fired up as a church builder. I'll be sharing what I've learned to keep your fire burning at all times and all places. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. The Climb Conference is coming up November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. Have you and your friends registered yet? You need to be there because you're going to get tools for growth and ministry from people like Joel Nagel, Joel Peed, and so many others. You're going to be able to listen to people like Sean Wooten, Kevin Miller, Dave Bliley, They're going to talk about how to grow your ministry and how to grow yourself. You'll get encouraged being around idealistic, faithful followers of Jesus. The people who come to this conference have a burning passion to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. What's so cool is we have well over 100 people signed up already, which is nearly as much as we had at our first conference in 2019. We had about 125 people come to that conference in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and it was awesome. But we already have 100 people signed up now. I've been getting emails from people who are signing up, and we've got disciples from India, Africa, England, and other countries as well who have already signed up for the conference. I mean, it's going to be amazing. People are streaming to this conference from all over the world. So we're going to have a a united brotherhood from different places in the world. It's going to be a great, great time. We're expecting and praying for over 400 disciples at this conference. So please don't miss it. You want to be there for this. I'm just, I'm praying that God's Spirit will light a fire in our, in our campus ministries, in our churches, in our movement. And we see amazing miracles happen as a result of this conference. So register today at robskinner.com. That's robskinner.com if you haven't already. And I look forward to seeing you in Dallas in November. I'm also looking for a leadership couple to plant the Sabarita and Green Valley Church of Christ in September of 2023. Last week, we had our second mission meeting. Twelve people were on the Zoom call, and they're fired up about going on the mission. I mean, we just had a great time. We talked all about it, how to prepare for it. And so the momentum is building, and that's why I'm looking for a leadership couple to plant this beautiful area of Arizona. If you're interested in leading or going, please email me at rob at robskinner.com. And I've already been talking to different people who might be interested, but if you know somebody... And, and it would be perfect. I mean, just this is a, an amazing area to, to go and plant a church. So if you'd like to support or go, you, you can also support the planting with a tax-deductible gift. This is another way that if you can't go yourself personally, just click the link in the bottom of the show notes and select the missions op- option. And so that's, that's where the uh, support's going to go is helping these mission plantings get off the ground. Chapter 8. How to Stay Fired Up as a Church Builder I hope that this book has added fuel to the fire you feel about planting a church. My discussion of passion and vision is something that I've found necessary. 
However, once you arrive on that mission field, Satan will do everything he can to dampen your enthusiasm, damage your faith, and douse your spiritual fire. Protecting, nurturing, and fanning into flame that passion is one of your primary jobs. Planting a church is a long-haul job, and one in which it's easy to think, based on your reading, that your church should just grow quickly to be a super church. If you compare yourself to those few who now have thousands in attendance and seemingly grew up overnight, you'll feel like a loser, like there's something wrong with you and like quitting might be a good option. Instead, focus on doing the best you can and develop some good habits that'll keep you moving forward step by step. Stay close to God. Reminding church planters to stay close to God? It sounds borderline insulting and a little condescending. Unfortunately, it's not the tips and technical details that typically cause a church to founder. Instead, it's most often the mundane, overlooked issues that wreak havoc over the long haul. A neglected marriage, neglected kids, relationship issues within the church, and finally, a lack of spirituality in the minister. Ministers can get so fired up about the mission, they forget God's number one command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Good ministers have a bias toward action and are often borderline ADHD sufferers. One of their biggest challenges is not preaching or leading Bible studies. It's carving out time for reflection, quiet, prayer, and reading. Many find it difficult because it feels like they're not getting anything done. Pray. If you struggle slowing down long enough to to pray to God, here's a scripture to meditate on. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Psalm 127, 1-2 Prayer alone won't build your church, but a church built without prayer is a vain effort, a complete waste of time. Not only will you not see the power of God, but you will also be so stressed out as you rise early, stay up late, and toil for food to eat. Your wife, kids, and church members will avoid you and the cloud of anxiety and edginess surrounding you. Commit to regular prayer time. Spend time meditating on God's promises, His gifts, what He's done in your life. Keep a hand on God's pulse as as you go through the challenges you'll face. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. 1 Peter 5.7 Pray with your wife, your kids, and brothers in the church. Don't hesitate to have someone hold you accountable to a certain amount of time spent with God. Read your Bible. As you get older in your faith, it becomes tempting to shortcut your time in His Word. Why? Well, it's simple. You've read it so much already. You'll need to get creative to make sure it still impacts you. If you've ever read a book or the Bible for 5 or 10 minutes and then realize that you were thinking of some other problem or issue that kept you from absorbing the meaning of the text, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One minister wrote that he writes scriptures out by hand. I have my favorite scriptures on index index cards that I go to for inspiration. I listen to the Bible as I walk on the treadmill at the gym. Find out what works for you, but make sure it's consistent, meaningful, and motivating. Read inspiring books. Another thing that helps is reading commentaries or spiritual books that have a lot of scripture embedded in them. 
These enable me to get fresh insights on well-trodden passages. One of my all-time favorite books is The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. It's an old classic, but filled with scripture and stimulating spiritually. You're going to need regular immersion in the Bible and related books if you're planning on preaching interesting and fresh lessons weekly. I average a book a week. You don't need to read that much, but you do need to read more than the average American, which is about four books per year. Now, I've mentioned this before, but you can easily double your reading of inspirational books, church-building books, biographies, and commentaries by the following techniques. First of all, dump books that you don't like. Let's say you start reading a book that doesn't grip you. Throw it out. Don't feel obligated to finish a lame book. This is where many of us get hung up. We, we start a book, we don't like it, but we feel bad about quitting it, and so we just stop reading altogether. Just throw that book out and get, a, get one that really grabs you. There's so many good books out there. The guilt will keep you from finding a better one. Subscribe to an audiobook service. Services such as audible.com offer subscriptions for around $16 per month for one book per month. Listening to books is a great way to use drive time, exercise time, or chore time. It's a fantastic way to chunk through longer, inspiring biographies. I especially like it for biographies because I don't want to just sit there, and oftentimes biographies are longer, and it's hard to find time sitting at a desk or something just to read. But when you listen to them, you can go work out for an hour and listen and just chunk through hours of great, inspiring biographies of great people. Next, learn to read faster. Read a book on speed reading. Speed reading can help you overcome everyday bad habits. There might be a simple reason why you have always considered yourself a slow reader. Get some help to develop your reading skills. When I read a speed reading book, I realized that I had some bad habits I didn't even notice. And sometimes you see examples of speed readers and they're blasting through page after page, you know, like one second per page. That's You don't have to read that fast. But a lot of times what, we've, what you find out is that your eyes are repeating the same lines over and over again. And speed reading, a book on speed reading, will help you to eliminate those bad habits. Next, use both paper books and electronic books. I prefer paper books for nonfiction, church building, or personal development books. I can highlight them. I can refer to them later when I want to add an illustration of my sermons. I like electronic books like Kindle for pleasure reading at night before I go to bed. Fiction, sci-fi, fantasy books, they slow my, down, slow my mind down at night. Next, always carry a book with you. Never leave home without a book. I learned this from Stephen King, the horror, horror story master. I have a picture in my book of him at a Red Sox baseball game reading a book. Now, that's, that's some serious reading passion right there. But wherever you go, always have a book ready to get into. Next, replace social media and news with reading. Paul said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I can't think of a better application of this attention to the small matters of life than to the subject of feeding your mind and spirit. When you're in line at the DMV or in the restroom or waiting at the doctor's office, make the most of the opportunity by reading something that's going to make you better. You don't need to scan Facebook or the latest news. Nearly all of it has little to do with you or your unique situation. 
and much of it's intended to titillate and entice you down paths you don't want to go. Take a book with you always. Record memory scriptures and quotes. When you come across a scripture or quote that impacts you, you'll feel it. Your body will react. It will jar you out of your ordinary mindset. That's when you need to check it, highlight it, and put a post-it note so that you can come back to that reference or story. A good preacher is always looking for ideas and stories. However, if you don't keep a pen or highlighter with you and use tabs to remember where they are, those spirit-led ideas will dissipate, and you won't have them when you need them. Use 3x5 cards to record memorable passages or quotes. You need a system to remember and be able to access your reading. Many times I've been reading a book and an idea for a sermon or even an entire series popped into my mind. Almost as many times I've forgotten to note the concept and the thought slipped away with no way to recall it. Become a reader. Leaders are readers. Don't make excuses if you don't like or don't feel skilled in reading. Train yourself to love to read if you aspire to become a great leader. Celebrate small victories. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Zechariah 4.10, New Living Translation. When you start your church, you'll be starved for big victories. If you baptized a couple and your membership is only six people, you've actually grown by 33%. Think about it this way. If a church of 600 jumped to 800 in one day, do you think they'd be fired up? They'd be celebrating, and the minister would be scheduling a vacation to write a book on how to grow your church 33% in one day. But when you're only six members, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. There's a difference in perception, but the importance is just as great. Learn to scale your expectations according to your size and recognize the power, working, and blessing of God as it is happening. Don't be like those people in Jeremiah 17, 5-8, who trust in man and will not see prosperity when it comes. Throw a party, have fun, and take time to record and mark your victories. You'll be glad you did. Have the right mindset going in. The first scripture I show a new intern I'm training is 2 Timothy 4.5. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Understand before you plant your church that you will face, quote-unquote, all situations. The concept of preaching, teaching, worshiping, and serving seems simple enough until you add people, drama, and Satan to the mix. The surprise situations, criticism, fallaways, double lives, and financial setbacks are going to come at you with astounding regularity. At one of our first Neighbor Day services in Portland, Oregon, we'd packed out the forestry center where we were meeting. The location was perfect, and we had well over 100 people in attendance. The light streamed in from the terrarium-like panels of glass windows that lined the walls of the building. I was just finishing my second point on how messed up the world was when a man stood up in the back of the audience and walked down the middle aisle and stood right in front of my podium. The man was about 6 feet 5 inches tall, and I recognized him as a guest of one of our team members. He'd been bringing him out recently. He was semi-homeless, and the brother had met him while sharing downtown. Through the corner of my eye, I noticed the emergency exit door to my left ease open, and a security guard spoke to the man in front of me. Sir, would you mind coming with us? 
Like a line from an 80s cop show, the man in front of me shouted back, I ain't going nowhere, man. At that time, I stopped preaching. The security guard continued, Is there anything I can get for you, sir? The man said, I need a cigarette. I thought to myself, Oh, this is a church. No one's going to have cigarettes. Just then, about five people raised their hands with packs of cigarettes in their hands. My wife leaned forward and whispered to the intern in the front row, Brian, tell me you can't smoke in here. It's not allowed. I glared at Pam, hoping to shush her up. At this point, I thought the man might take a hostage, and I started to imagine a hostage siege scenario. Two police cars pulled up to the back of the building. The security guard continued to speak in pacifying tones, and the man in front of me continued to bark orders in response. Just then, the back doors flew open and three policemen walked down the aisle and put the man in handcuffs. Luckily, he didn't resist and walked out without saying anything more. At that point, I continued preaching my third point and finished the service. The whole incident lasted no longer than three minutes. After the service was over, some people thought it was an illustration or skit that I'd come up with to illustrate how messed up the world was. People were remarking at how realistic it was. I went up to the brother who'd given the man a ride, and his, his skin was very pale, was gray. He was staring and had a hard time speaking. I said, Paul, what happened? He said that after communion, the man told him that he needed to leave and then walked out of the church but had to get his backpack out of Paul's car. The car windows were left partially open, and the man squeezed his arm in to grab his bag. When he tried to pull his bag out, the bag caught on the window and it shattered. Just at that moment, a security guard was walking by and asked what was going on. The man took a swing at the guard and knocked him down. At that point, the man went to a bank of payphones and started calling for a ride, and another guard approached him. The man punched that guard as well, and at this point, the man went back into the church service hoping to hide among the people. That's when the story I just related came about. The guards called the police and tried to keep the men occupied until they arrived. You may not experience anything as dramatic as this, and I hope you don't, but you can expect some type of crisis every six weeks to two months. You can accept that up, if you can accept that up front and know that's coming, you'll do so much better. Consider Jesus's and Paul's ministries. They are surrounded by quote-unquote situations. Learn to take it without freaking out going ballistic, or losing confidence. It's simply the price you must pay to establish a beachhead in a new area. What helps me when times get tough are the following. First, I remember God has led me safely through many other situations in the past, and in hindsight, they don't bother me anymore. Also, in time, this will be just one more problem that God solved and is not emotionally charged any longer. Next, keep it in perspective. Read some stories of great missionaries, and you'll be encouraged by the number of difficulties they faced and overcame. Decide to simply act to solve a problem. Don't dwell too much or catastrophize your thinking. Write down three things that you can do immediately to solve the problem, and then just do it. Ask for help. Make a call from your support church or, or discipler and ask what they would do. Remember that you're in charge and responsible for the church, not anyone else. Stay confident in your decisions and experience. And when sin gets revealed in the church, thank God that it was brought into the light where it can be repented of and dealt with. Sin is most dangerous when it works silently and unknown by most. We'll finish the rest of chapter 8 in the next episode.
Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First, hit the subscribe button and send a link to your friends. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them both on Amazon.com. Thirdly, support the program financially by clicking the link in the show notes and selecting the Missions Fund. Your tax-deductible gift will help me get my next mission team off the ground. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day, and make this life count.